0: Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. We started the series, and I don't want to take too long to recap, but I just want to hit on a few things because I I really sense, um, you know how you go through weeks sometimes and you just know what certain people are dealing with, but, but you just sense in your spirit, and God begins to speak in your prayer, and, and you just know that people are wrestling with things that are just unimaginable right now. And it's almost like the enemy's coming in just in overdrive, and things are crumbling, and, and you just never anticipated that you would have to deal with those kind of issues, but now you're just overwhelmed or things you didn't expect are just pressing in. I I just want the simplicity of the Word this morning to just sort of soak in. But more importantly, and I'm going to pray in just a moment, because, see, the, the simplicity of the Word can soak in, but if you don't walk it out, it's just been another Sunday morning. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, in these next few minutes, I pray, Father, that it not just makes sense, but it take root. I pray, God, that you build our faith, that in truly the simplicity of this word this morning, that we just walk it out in simplicity. Lord, following you is is really not hard if we just die. Die to self. Take up a cross and follow you. So I pray, Lord, that we just sense and hear your Holy Spirit speak to us in a fresh way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you planning for a move of God? Are you planning for a move of God? Not hoping for a move of God. You know, when you expect something, you plan for it. We talked about uh, babies last Sunday morning briefly. Um, When you know that you're having a baby, you don't dilly-dally, that's old term. You don't just hang out and talk about having a baby. No, you get busy. You start planning. You start finding out what parents do, and you start having baby showers because you know you need stuff. And, And truth be known... Yes, you need a crib, but what you really hope you get is a year's supply of Pampers. Somebody say amen. You know, because you start planning. Because who in their right mind would have a baby and have nothing prepared? Well, don't raise your hand, but... Here's here's the point. You have to plan for a move of God. You really do. And, and I want to just share, because we started out several weeks ago talking about the kind of person God uses. And 2 Chronicles tells us this. For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect, are completely His, perfect toward Him. So why? He can show His great power in helping them. Then the, the next week we talked about a holy discontent. That thing in your life, that thing that you've heard of, that thing that maybe is in your personal life, in your family, that issue, maybe it's in your city, maybe it's in the world around you, maybe it's in the nation, and when you hear about it, it just it drives you to your knees. What is that thing? What is that thing that keeps you up at night? The Bible tells us that Nehemiah, when his brothers had come and told him of the desolation and the things that were taking place in Jerusalem, are the things that were not taking place. The wall had been destroyed and the gates had been burned with fire. The Bible says he just, he began to weep. But then we understand that that, that holy discontent, it didn't mean that, that he was just upset because of the news. It meant that he knew something had to be done. See, I'm, I'm just convinced that we're, it's not an accident that we've gone into this series. A lot of times God will begin to move. And, and just full transparency, I'll be in my office sometime, and I'm like, Lord, was this just my great planning? Or was this you're a great God? And we already know the answer, right? Um, it, it's that God meets us where we are and begins to work in the lives of people. Because here's, if we could change the, the tagline on this series right now, you know what it would be? Not what could be, but what should be. It's not what could be in your life, but what should be in your life. That holy discontent will drive you to the what should be happening, what should be taking place. In the smaller aspects of our life, it's not hard to find those what should be moments, is it? It's not hard to find the what should be taking place in my life. But even on a citywide scale or even around our world, it's not hard when you're following after Christ and living in the Word To understand that there are just some things in our lives and in this world. They have got to change. And and I'm a full believer that God's going to lay something on your heart that you know it it could be, it should be different. should be. And so that holy discontent drives us just like Nehemiah to prayer. Nehemiah 1.4 says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We know it was about four months. And we talked about what prayer does for us very quickly. First of all, (laughs) prayer gives us a correct view of ourselves. (laughs) It's hard to talk to God very long and think highly of yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's hard to go to the Lord before prayer and not get a correct view of what confession needs to be. We even know Nehemiah not only confessed the sins that he knew he was guilty of, but even for the nation, for the people. And, and I just want to reiterate something. We go to God very individually, but we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. I find that <clears throat> it gives me a correct view of not just confession, but it gives me a correct view of God. He is the Creator, He is our Father. But then I have a correct view of opportunities. Remember and we'll talk about this a little bit today Remember when we talked about prayer when he got to the prayer And he was praying to God. He didn't ask God for a miracle He asked him for an opportunity There's a big difference Because most of us want the miracle Because a miracle means I don't have to work A miracle means I don't have to change A miracle means I don't have to go anywhere See, an opportunity means I have to to do something. An opportunity means I'm taking steps of faith. An opportunity means I've got to look at myself and say, okay, what's preparing me to take that opportunity? Because I've also learned in my very short life that um, every opportunity, I can't walk into new opportunities the way I walked last week. New opportunities demand change. New opportunities demand new vision. New opportunities demand new energy. New opportunities demand new, new um, insight to what God is doing. You can't just continue to walk like you've always walked and not expect to continue to be developed. But, but then we found, as we continued in Nehemiah last week, that have the faith had to be involved because he went before a king when that opportunity came into existence. We talked a little bit about faith last week, and we know we talked about the fact that Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is a scripture you've all heard many, many, many times. But I just want to reiterate that substance is the same word used when God became flesh and dwelt among us. Here's, Here's what he's saying. I'm right in the middle of all your stuff. You're never alone. You're never by yourself. When you think you're going through the darkest hour, I'm substance. And your faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So where does that lead us today? How that planning, you you have to plan for a move of God. Now, what do I mean by that? Because Nehemiah is often looked at as a great leadership book. And it is it's great leadership principles, but I'm gonna, I- I'm biting off a little bit of uh, this principles as we look at Nehemiah this morning. That are gonna seem so elementary. That are gonna seem so. Come on, pastor, give me a break. But now that you've thought that, put your seatbelts on. Because it's it's not so much that we don't know as much as we don't do. And James tells us right. Be, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So let's look at this for just a few moments. Because why plan? It may seem obvious to many of us in here that, that you really can't get very far without a plan. Anybody ever go on vacation and you thought, hey, you know what, let's just be carefree. Let's not even make plans, let's just go. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, how did that work? Um, And, and, you know, for some people, it might work great, okay? But um, when I was 16 years old, this probably isn't a very good analogy, but here we go. When I was 16 years old, I ran away from home, okay? I got mad at my dad. And at 16, you know everything. I, I just didn't check the weather. It was January. We lived in Peoria, Illinois, and a blizzard was coming. It had already started to snow, but I thought, you know, it's dark. If I can get to the interstate, surely I'll catch a ride. So freezing, walking down the interstate, the only way I got a ride is somebody felt sorry for me. But I got a ride. Ended up in Indiana. And in Indiana, four hours away from Peoria, sitting in a little Holiday Inn, I realized that I only had $1.50 to my name. Poor planning. You can't run away with fifty and eat very much. So I humbled myself, and I called home, and I said, Is Mom there? <laughs> is, is Mom near the phone? And so I talked to her for a few minutes, and Dad said, Where are you? I said, Well, believe it or not, I'm in Indiana. Just cut the mess. Where are you? I said, no, seriously, I'm in in Indiana. Um, The only thing that did work out was I got a ride. Now, see, when you just go on impulsive trips without a plan, that's what happens. You end up in places that really don't get you anywhere. Cold, defeated, and, listen, hungry. Now, what does that mean for us? Why is planning important? Um, It may be... uh, Maybe you're here this morning, and when you say the word plan, it doesn't sound as spiritual as we want it to sound. Because after all, if we're walking in the Spirit, who needs plans? Right? If, if I mean, when we have church services, we don't believe in bulletins. We flow in the Spirit. No, actually, that's not what that's supposed to mean at all. Here's, here's what planning does mean. It means that when we get to the place that we're looking at the Word of God and the Word of God is saying things like um, many are the plans of a man's heart but it is God's plans that prevail that simply means that you need to have plans but his plans and wisdom and guidance and direction need to help you form those plans it's when our heart is just making the plans that we want to have I, I believe Luke chapter 14 tells us this Jesus says listen no one would go build a tower without sitting down and counting the cost. Why? Because you might get enough to get the foundation down, but when you have to close it down, now you're just going to be a mockery. So as the children of God, we we need to understand, we need to sit down. We need to plan things out. I told you this was going to be simple today. But what does it mean to plan a move of God? I just want us to look at this passage, because as we read it, I'm just going to stop along the way throughout this passage because what this can mean for us is that we just look at life a little bit differently. And instead of just continuing through life, hoping for a miracle, hoping something happens, praying for God to put something on our heart, then he puts something on our heart, and then we say, okay, Lord, I'm tired of carrying this burden. I need a miracle. Take care of it. That what he's really trying to do is prepare you for something greater than yourself. Now, not everyone in here, and please hear me, not, th- uh, we're not talking about just trying to find more ushers. Not everyone is here is geared to stand up and, and speak like I'm speaking. You're, in, you're much more gifted than that. Not, not everyone here is going to work in a local church. You are the church. And, and God wants to use you to change the world around you. See, the first thing I want you to remember about Nehemiah, he was a cutbearer. He had been taken into captivity, Babylonian captivity. The, the exile spread them everywhere. Persia comes in, takes over the Babylonian reign, and now they find themselves being able to go back, build. But then Artaxerxes puts a puts a damper on things and says, no, stop it. We don't want him to get too ahead of the game and maybe overcome us. So he put a, a nix on it. So when the word comes back to the cupbearer, he's just got a regular job working for the king. God uses a cupbearer. God wants to use a teacher. God wants to use a truck driver. God wants to use a mechanic. See, I, I was raised in a mindset that if you really got called, you'd quit your job and try to get a job at a church. You know how many miserable preachers there were? Because they'd quit a good-paying job where they could have, as Josh shared, that was a great story, by the way, where they could have made a difference, but, but instead, well, if I'm, if I'm really serious about ministry, I'm going to quit this job at the bank and become a preacher. And just be miserable. And then be told, well, if you're really called, it's going to be miserable. No, that's not actually true. (laughs) Um, Can I just say something? You know I'm going to. I think a lot of people sitting here this morning are miserable, not because of your circumstances, but because down deep inside, you know you should be doing things or you know you've taken out steps of faith in certain areas that really, that was just impulse, and now you're just a little bit too embarrassed to go back. Because the proverbial bank was where you belong. You were making a bigger difference at the bank than you were out traveling trying to be a worldwide evangelist. Now now listen, nothing wrong with worldwide evangelists, okay? Unless you're not called. Then you're just a world class pain. All right? So, what am I getting at? He was a cupbearer. He was a cupbearer. And last week we talked about how he came to the king, and when he came to the king, he came very humbly. And I just want to pick this up this morning as we start in verse 4. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4. And I'm going to be covering verses 4 through 8. (laughs) <laughs> he said, Then the king said to me, What do you request? What do you request? Now, can I just tell you, I'm gonna grab this water John. Can I just tell you that when the king says, What do you request? You better know what you need. Okay. And and just a quick note here, he wasn't, this is not about us praying to God knowing what we want. God already knows what we want. And better yet, he knows what we need. But but see, I believe God wants us also to understand that when you have an opportunity, you trust God to provide the answers through people. Through people. Through you taking opportunities. Through you just wherever you are serving, you take the opportunities where you are. So the cupbearer goes to the king. And he goes to the king, and the king says, what do you request? And I love that next little statement. He said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. He prayed. How many remember uh, a few weeks ago when I talked about his continual prayer and that we have to get away from our 9-11 prayer? Okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with a 9-11 prayer as long as you're living in continual prayer. You see, when you're living in a relationship of prayer with God, your 9 11 prayers are obvious. Why why is this important? Can you see now that God has given him an opportunity to go in before the king? And he's getting ready to go before the king. The king's already asked him a few verses later, earlier, What's up with the, the downcast look? Why are you looking upset? What's going on in your life? And he begins to tell him. And then he says, Well, what are you requesting? Have you ever prayed this? Okay, Lord, here we go. You ever pray that prayer? You prayed, and God answered it, and then it was your turn to step out. Okay, God, here we go. It, you, can't stop, you can't stop the train at that point and say, well, I, I need to pray and fast three more days. I need about 24 more hours. No, the, the, the key is he'd already been praying. Can I just tell you, live a life of prayer. If you've never prayed yet, start today and just start talking to God on a regular basis. But I don't know how to talk to God. That was good. Just what I said right there will get you started. Lord, I don't know how to talk to you, but here we go. Most of you have no problems talking to everybody else. So just start talking to the Lord. Because when you have a relationship like that, those okay God here we go here's what that tells me you've been having enough of a conversation where you just might have a plan you might have an idea of what's supposed to go down now I'm not insinuating you have all the answers to every step but I am promising you you'll at least know what direction to step in because as as he begins here (laughs) he says what are you requesting he breathed the prayer here we go Lord And then he said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight. And I want to break that down for a minute. If it pleases the king. Now now here's where this planning for us is going to, maybe for some of you seem a little silly, but I just want you to hear my heart today. If it pleases the king. Before he asked for one thing, he honored the king. He showed his respect to the king. I wonder what it would be like if we just started respecting people. And instead of him saying, you know, God, I need a miracle, and as soon as you get me out of this ungodly place, these Persian captives, they, they've held us down long enough, God, get me out of here. Set me free, Jesus. What, what, hap- what would happen if, if we stopped looking at everybody as the enemy? And started just respecting people, treating people nice. What what if we just started loving people where they were? Because what's his next phrase? And if I have been pleasing in your sight. Now this is this is good stuff here. You're not acting like it yet, but this is good. What does he mean? Everything he's everything he's getting ready to ask the king is based on this if I've done a good job for you Everything he's getting ready to ask and he's getting ready to ask some high-vision stuff Everything he's getting ready to ask is predicated Lord King if if I've done good if I've been good in your sight He's a cupbearer. What was his job description? Make sure the king doesn't die Test out the wine. Test out the food. Make sure the king feels comfortable. It it, it was a a high-end butler position. And most of us, I've not got a raise in so long, I can't stand. And instead of being the light in a dark place, we hang out by the water cooler. And Dr. Joe, he shared that in the morning, you know, hanging out at the water cooler is not a good place. And as he shared this morning, you become who you hang out with. And so he puts his reputation on the line. I wonder if we could put our reputation on the line. Because have you ever found yourself don't raise your hands on this one. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've been able to make friends with everybody you work with and to the place you, and you want them to be comfortable around you so you don't tell them you're a Christian? But you talk about everybody. and you give everybody in there bits of information that's none of their business but you want to fit in and then the next thing you know you're supposed to be light in darkness and everybody's like where'd you get the flashlight because that doesn't measure up with anything you've been living now please don't I'm I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad today if you've not been living up to this because it's not about us following all the rules as much as we live by grace but we just need to start acting like it. you really do Because if I want to be a light in the darkness, i got to be a light in the darkness. I can't act like the darkness and and hope for the miracle. That's really the miracle most of us want. We want God to come in and clean up our mess so we can finally be a light. All all I'm simply trying to get you to understand is Nehemiah had lived the kind of life, it's, it's little things. He planned on being on time every day hello. You've got to love me. That's in the word too. So when it came to his job, he, he showed up at work every day on time. He didn't want to know what the loopholes were and just sort of get by. It wasn't a paycheck. It was a calling. Can I tell some of you this morning that your, your job is not a paycheck, it's a calling. Your work is a calling to give him worship in everything that you do. That the reason it's important for you to show up and show off God's glory in your life is not, in your mind, you've got yourself convinced, you know, stacking boxes is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. No joke. Nobody wants to do that for the rest of their life. Okay? But, but if you're stacking boxes, your testimony should be that when the boss comes around, he's thinking, my God, you are the best box stacker I've ever seen in my life. They stack boxes like I've never seen before. As a matter of fact, when they start thinking of a promotion, you're the first one they think about. Now you're not stacking boxes. You're driving the truck of boxes. I didn't want to be a truck driver. You just need a new attitude. Because I mean, the bottom line is, if you'll understand that where you are is nothing but a place to shine for God, Pastor, what exactly are you talking about this morning? You see, at some point, when God lays that holy discontent on your heart, you'll be amazed at who he tries to use to answer the needs that you have. He wasn't sitting around praying, God, the walls are down. Please send a a lot of Israelites. Send a bunch of them up here and rescue me from this Persian captivity so we can go back and conquer the land and rebuild the wall. No. He walks into the king and he says my father's graves have been destroyed the city's turned upside down there's no walls what do you need the king what are you asking oh king live forever if I've done anything good in your sight if if I've been good at all and he didn't say this but, but here's what he was saying I've always been on time. I've never stole anything. I, I, I'm, I burn the midnight oil. If I have to learn a new subject, I know it before anybody else. I'm not afraid to step out there and do something because I want to make a difference. I've, got, I've always had your back, King. I've never not took a sip of wine and hoped. I did everything I've always supposed to do above and beyond. So if I've done a good job, Here's what's getting ready to go down. I need to go back. I need to go back. And the king says, "His queen's sitting beside him, and the king says, how long? How long? Now, we don't know this from the scripture that we're reading right now, but if you go to chapter 5, it'll tell you 12 years. Now think about that for a second. Think about what would happen if you went to your boss. First of all, can I back up and make, make you feel uncomfortable for five more seconds? Just, let's just back up and say you needed a favor. Could you even get a favor from the boss? You know, uh, but can, can I just have off a few minutes early today? You know, could, could we get that far? But let's say we've all been perfect, all right? Everybody feel better? Let's say we've all been perfect. Can you imagine asking off for 12 years? Can you say, listen, I'm going to be gone for 12 years? Because the king wasn't saying, so what are you thinking about? What do you think you need? See, what this tells me is he has sat down and he has planned. He has planned out what he needs. He has planned out what it's going to take. He, you're going to see in just a moment, he's even thought about the needs of the wall, the needs that he's going to need while he's there. He's planned these things out. Now, can I, just, can I just talk to you for a second? We don't live like that in most cases. We, we work for people who have done that, and that's what we get used to. We get used to everything being planned out for us, and we become mice on a wheel. And then we hear some preachers say, God's got a plan for your life, and our response sometimes is, where's the wheel? Give me a wheel. You see, and just, just a point of observation several years ago, we really started pushing, find a need and fill it. And it didn't work. Can I tell you why? Because in our, in our American culture, we don't want to don't be the ones to find the need. We want an organization to find the need for us. Uh, Pastor, if you'll please organize a need for us. Oh, I've got a need. I need you to find a need. But we want to we join organizations. We're already bought with the body of Christ. Now listen, this isn't a complaint. It's an observation, but you know I'm right. We want to join what's convenient. We want to be a part of what's easy. We want to be a part of something that's already paid for and, and it's all put together and all we have to do is drive it. The, the grunt work, we're not interested in that. Finding what the needs are in our neighborhood, not interested in that. We might find it. And, and God forbid that we find a need in our neighborhood because then we become responsible for the need in our neighborhood. And, and see, God, the reality is God's put stuff on our hearts before. And, and it might not just be for foreign missions. It might be for something across the street. It might be for, for other families. It might be for issues that you've been working with. It might be for teachers in schools. I mean, there's ministries and needs all over the place, but we find ourselves easily falling into the trap of, well, when somebody gets that organized. I'll, I'll help walk that out. God needs some Nehemiahs, and you're sitting here. And, and I found myself looking at Nehemiah. Listen, if there's anybody that's been convicted over the last six weeks, it's me. God's been stirring my heart over several issues, primarily in education. And I'm, I'm, I'm not busting into a vision service this morning, but it's coming. Because you can't transform lives with a skip and a prayer. Lives are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit because we become incarnate in people's lives where they are. It's not about trying to get them to come here on Sunday morning. It's us being willing to go there. It's not about us trying to get the world to be the church. We are the church. It's going to the world. Now, now, what does that mean for Nehemiah? He goes before the king. He says, I'm, I'm going to be gone. We know it's for 12 years. He doesn't say it here, but we know he's gone for about 12 years. But the king then says, well, if, is there anything else? And I, I love this because right there, I'd, I'd have just been thinking, wow, he's going to let me go. I've got this. I'm going to be able to go, and I'm going to be able to, to work. I'm going to be able to do some things. But he says, I, I want you to understand that <laughs> if I found sa- favor in your sight, I, I want to ask that the, the tomb and the city be rebuilt. It's going to be a long time, but if you'll let me go do that, I'll go. So it pleased the king to send me, he said. And furthermore, I said to the king, also, I'm paraphrasing the scriptures right there in front of you. Also, if I can get a letter giving me clear passage. Now, we'll see this more next week, but what does that mean? He's getting authority from the king. Uh, See, the the funny thing here is, just a few years earlier, this same king, he's the one that put a ban on, on all the building going on in Jerusalem. So now he's asking the king who put a ban on the building, is it okay if I go out and continue building? I'm going to need permission. Will you please give me permission for what you banned? And he did. Now here's, there's not enough analogies out there to really make this as clear, because it's not the same scenarios. But picture in your mind someone having the relational context with President Trump to be able to say, hey, listen, um, I know I just vacuumed the Oval Office. But if I've done a good job, can I ask you to, to let me do something? What is it? Now see, this sounds already impossible, but that's what happened. That whole wall thing in Mexico, can you just drop it, drop it for a few years, I'm gonna go down, and just and just get those relationships started again, because that's where my family's from. And if you'll let me go down, I know God's going to do something. Run with it. I'm going to need some signatures on that. Okay. Now you're you're sitting here because we're, we're all human, and we're thinking, "Come on," but see, you, you can't fathom it. This is going to get ugly for a second. You can't fathom it because you're not even willing to do it where you are. You're not, you, you, wherever you work, if, if you would put everything into it, you'd be surprised that when you started asking your boss or someone, hey, there's a need over here, or there's something that needs to be fixed. This, it's, it could be this way, but it should be this way. And they may be ungodly, they may not be saved, they might not even go to church, but you'll be shocked. And how when God starts to move on people's hearts, it's just, you know what? Let's do that. Do that. I'll see you when you get back. It's amazing. And the, the, the same principle, if it was President Trump or if it was other leaders around the world, we can't imagine that happens. But can I tell you that it happens more than you think it does? It happens more than you think it does. When leaders' hearts are changed because of a conversation with a with a bus driver or an average person who who doesn't, they're not trying to get into a position. They're just just speaking from the heart. And Nehemiah says, I'm going to need passage. But while the king's still thinking about how to write that letter up, he he says, oh, and by the way, I've got to do a lot of construction while I'm there. I'm going to need lumber from the king's forest if you'll please give me a letter to Haggag. He said, because they, they watched the king's forest so no one would ever steal the king's lumber. He said, I'm going to need permission because I'm going to need lumber to continue to build those walls. I'm going to need lumber to build those gates. I'm going to need lumber to build a house to live in while I'm there. Now, to some of us, we just said, "Oh, he, okay, he just crossed the line. I don't know that he just got bold are, because any of us are human, if somebody starts going, okay, yeah, while we're at it, can we, no, I don't believe it was that at all. I believe he knew exactly what he needed, and once he left, he couldn't come running back and forth. Oh, king, live forever. I was mistaken on the first run. Oh, king, live forever. Um, I, I'm going to, I forgot I need a place to live. Oh, now, I'm not picking on anybody you know there's plenty of us here myself included if you were to talk to my wife see I can preach like this when she's upstairs if you were to talk to my wife about my expertise at at planning the vacation she would roll her eyes and say I got it covered because I'm I'm the person that will leave a suitcase at the house Right? I'm the person that will will uh, leave all the toiletries where they belong, in the bathroom. Okay? And we, wherever we go, we have to hit Walmart, first thing. You know, let's go to Walmart. We're going to need sheets. We're going to need clothes. We're going to need toothpaste, whole So So what does that mean? I don't... I'm not saying that, that we're all professional planners. I'm saying it's very important that when God lays something on your heart, you take it serious enough to sit down and start dreaming about it. Start praying about it. If God's laid something on your heart about helping families, sit down and what, what would that look like? What, what exactly do families need in this area? We wrestle this as the staff all the time. What are, what are hurting families really needing? What do youth really need? What are children wrestling with? You'd be shocked what's happening in the public schools around us because, listen, we, we come and we huddle here and we insulate ourselves if we're not careful and the world is tragically needing someone to reach out to them. And we don't even really know what the needs are. But what would it look like if we sat down and started, whatever that thing is that, that God is laying on your heart, if, if it's families, if it's education, if, if it's government. Pastor, why are you talking about government? There's plenty of military people here this morning. The suicide rate is off the charts with retired military. I'm almost convinced it is men and women who are graduating life out of a structured environment into a world that's out of control. And we're so filthy distracted that we don't even know where to land. And after a while, when you don't know where to land, you just land. You see, if we don't, if we don't do some study, listen, I'm not talking about you becoming brilliant. Google Google the subject. Find out what the needs are. Am I, am I make, making sense this morning? I told you this was going to be simple. This really is simple. It, it, it goes back to, that's why I put those little cards about every other seat, because I knew at least the women would write. Hello? Give me an amen. You know I'm right, guys. Because the guys are thinking, oh, I'll memorize this. Yeah. Right up until the door. Here's, here's what I put on those cards. What's that holy discontent? What's that thing messing you up? Is it, is it something in you that needs to change? Is it something in you that God's been stirring? And see, you may even be able to verbalize that holy discontent of that thing that needs to change. And, and I know some of you have great visions in here. It, there, it's a process. Listen, the city took 12 years. The wall took 52 days. Bada bing, the wall was up but he wasn't there just to get the wall together. It it was the city, 12 years. Some of the things that God is birthing in you may take, you ready, 12 years. Oh, I I can't wait that long. Don't ever say that to God. Because then the the whole, the 10 years will be miserable because we will just be teaching you how to be patient. And around year 11 and 12, you'll be like, now I get it. Why was I so miserable? Because in God's timing, that's when you're going to be happy. So just embracing God's timing, embracing what God is doing, embracing where God is taking you, whatever that holy discontent is, but, but you've got to be praying about it. So what, what are you praying for? Are you praying for a miracle or an opportunity? Are you praying for just a quick, quick escape are you praying, God, I'm willing to step into this neck deep? I mentioned this gentleman several weeks ago, Bruce Steele, friend of mine. Um, just a good old country boy. We went to Lee University together. His dad was a preacher, <clears throat> and he never wanted to be a preacher. Bought it like crazy. Um... But after he graduated from Lee, Stephen and I were talking last night. He um, went to New Orleans and worked at a church where Jimmy Swaggart's cousin, uh, so you can imagine his cousin was pastoring a church of God there, and he, they sold furniture out of the Sunday school rooms because they didn't even have enough people to use the Sunday school rooms. And it was a, and a part of New Orleans that wasn't that nice, But that's where he started. He stayed there for eight months, but that's where it sort of kicked off. It wasn't about selling furniture. It was about helping people. So when he was on staff at another church, um, the pastor came up to me one day and said, hey, there's a little church downtown Atlanta. They don't have a pastor right now. Just go cover the pulpit for a few weeks. So he went to this little place in the hood, if you will, of Atlanta. He said he was the only white guy there and had an accent. He said he didn't feel safe for a long time because when you're a redneck in the wrong part of Atlanta, it was just like, what are you doing here? Plus, they didn't trust preachers because preachers didn't stay that long. And he realized after about four weeks that he was in trouble because he realized that God was calling him. And he said, "I, I really, I thank God because his wife Rhonda, she even said, you know, if we're ever going to make a difference, we're going to have to move there. He had already had four daughters. He said, you mean you want us to move here with four daughters? Have you lost your mind? And she said, no, actually, um, I've not lost anything. You just haven't caught up. So what did they do? Now listen, b- before this sounds like God did a miracle and everything was wonderful. No, it's, it's been 20 years of hell. Because people with addictions don't just walk off, in the street, off the street and change. People in broken marriages don't just walk off the street and things are, are good in two counseling sessions. First of all, and his whole book is based on this, he said he was trying to earn their trust, he was trying to get them to trust him, but he said what God showed him is he was just trying to get him Bruce to trust them you see they had never been trusted before they had never been told I love you even if you fail I still love you even if you miss it I still love you and, he, and he, story after story he would trust someone he'd give them the keys to the only van he had and it just disappeared but then he would pray and he would say God I, how, I, I'm, I, I trusted this guy and now he's done this to me. And he said, it might take three weeks, but the guy would show back up and you say, I'm sorry, man. I, I won't do it anymore. And instead of condemning him, he hugged him and kept working with him. Now, I'm just going to stop there for a second to ask you this. How many of us could do that? You know, I've got to be brutally honest with you. That's not, a, that's not in a management magazine somewhere on skills needed. Let people steal your stuff. Um, On on the other hand, over time, what I'm trying to get you to understand is over time, as he said, God, it's not about me, I'm willing to move into, not try to get them to come to. I'm I'm willing to go to them and be you there then try to get them to come somewhere, have a service, and maybe go make a difference. So what he, what he immediately realized was everybody thought he was crazy. And he was beat up from time to time. He was robbed on multiple occasions. And he said what happened was the, the police started coming in, not to protect him, to ask him what he was doing. And he said, this is why I'm here. And little by little, he won the police over. And they say, you know, the mayor of Atlanta is talking to me. He's like, I I need this building. You're getting ready to tear it down, but if you just won't condemn it, I'll fix it. And they gave it to him. He said they didn't realize what they gave him because it was going to cost over a million dollars just to make sure it wasn't condemned. But see, once you start asking the king, and God's already moved on hearts, God's got business leader after business leader after business leader lined up, ready for you to walk in faith, when those opportunities come your way rather than sitting back hoping people come to church what would it look like that thing that holy discontent that God slayed on your heart what would it look like if you start t- taking steps of faith to go wherever that hurt is not wait for the church to start a program you are the church not, and not that we can't walk with each other this isn't about you being on your own this is about what, what is God doing in your spirit what would it look like if, if you said, God, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to study. Because uh, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I really feel like we need to be doing this in this part of the city. I'm going to say, praise God, tell me about it. Well, I haven't really thought about it. Don't talk to me anymore. Until you've studied. I really want to stop the sex trafficking in the area. Praise God, where's it happening? Well, I don't know. I was hoping Pastor Corey could do a survey. and Don't talk to me. I'm not here to be your research agent. I'm trying to equip you to take it to a level where you can say, hey, I'm ready, I'm ready to go do something for the Lord. And yes, we can do it together. But, but you know what? It, it might be that God's trying to teach you something. It, it just could be that God's trying to stretch you. You ever notice that when you're trying to lose weight, you don't like to? When you're trying to get in shape, you just you what's know, You know what's involved. So, you, you know, Monday sounds better every week, doesn't it? I'll start Monday. I'll start Monday. I'll start Monday. Um, same thing with what we're talking about today. I hope I'm making sense. Because what I found, and, and I'll just wrap this up with Bruce's story. He, he's not downtown a lot. I know I shared this a few weeks ago. He's not, he's not downtown a lot anymore because God keeps lining him up in front of kings. God keeps positioning him. Now, he's not, he's not in front of all these business leaders because he's the sharpest guy in the room. He's the cupbearer. He's a servant. He doesn't have to be large and in charge. See, sometimes we don't think we're really serving God until we're the king, until we've got the position, until we've got a title. We've already got a king. And I promise you, if you'll just be where God has placed you and and shine where God has placed you, you might be absolutely blown away with how God uses you right there. So what is God laying on your heart? Let's all stand. What is God laying on your heart? What is that holy discontent? How do you need to be praying about it? How do you need to be praying about those opportunities? What does that look like? God, where are you leading us? Every person here. Every person here, Lord. There's an area in their life. It might be family issues. It might be areas of education. It might be in the field of medicine. It might be in the military Lord it's not about us trying to conquer the world it's knowing that you already have it's not about us being in charge it's about us having influence and us walking in that not bashful about who we are not not bashful about what we do but serving where we are Lord, I pray for those here. And Lord, it, there's there, it's many of us. We've all failed and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed it. We, we've all not done and been what we could be. But Lord, we, we choose today that through the power of Jesus Christ <laughs> and the working of your Holy Spirit us, Lord, we want to work toward what we should be. So Lord, as employees, Lord, I pray that tomorrow... We walk in being what we should be. Bosses, leaders, parents. We begin walking out what we should be. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you empower us to do that. That Nothing about that will be easy at times, but it's not about us being perfect. It's about greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's, it's about, as you told Zechariah to tell Zerubbabel, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That the challenges in our life and the issues in our life that seem monumental will be made a plain because of grace. Lord, I pray that right now the, the things that you're calling some of us to that seem impossible I pray, God, that they hear your word this morning, that with you all things are possible. That the callings and the giftings that you've given us, Lord, that they're not to be dormant anymore, but you're you're calling, you're breathing life in them again, God. That that there's some that might feel like they've been put on a shelf, but, Lord, it's, it's now they're realizing they've not been on a shelf to sit. They've been on a shelf to be looked at and watched while you do a work. And now you're getting ready to use them again That people are looking at our lives Lord that we're not just mundane existence People are watching Lord because what you're calling us to you're going to use the situations that we're in right now to turn things upside down it's, it's not about something someday that when you finally get us out of this miserable place You can use us somewhere down the road. No Lord. I pray that we understand you're using the miserable stuff right now To be the equipment that will get us to the next place it's going to resource what we're doing you'll make something out of nothing lord just to prove that you are god lord i pray today that as we as we leave this place it it might be the only plan some of us are able to come up with is just to treat people nice but lord i plan to treat people with respect I make it a plan in my life to to honor people, to love people. That's a plan I'm going to walk out today, Lord. I pray that we make that our prayer. Lord, we we, we plan to be examples of Christ, not what it looks like to need Christ. And Lord, I just pray that you would just use us powerfully. Lord, there's hurting people all around us. Yes, even here this morning. But minister, Holy Spirit. Minister, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we understand the need to plan for a move of God means that we need to expect you're going to move. Lord, I, I expect that you're going to move in neighborhoods. I expect you to move in places of business. I expect you to move in our schools. I expect you to move in our neighborhoods. I expect you, God, to move in, in the mundane places. I, I expect you to move in the bad neighborhoods, in the good neighborhoods, in, in the good areas of town, in the bad areas of town. Lord, I, we expect you, so now we plan on that move. Give us insight, Lord. Help us to find out what you lay on our heart and to research it and know those people so when we do move, when that opportunity comes, we're ready now God I I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ speak to us Lord and as we leave this place today Lord we're not leaving your presence but help us to keenly stay alert to what you're doing Lord I just pray right now God that no one here feel like they're in a holding pattern they're being prepared No, no one here is being punished they're being prepared no one here is, is where they are because they made a, a really bad mistake. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Lord, wherever we are right now, your word tells us that you cause all things to work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Where we are right now, no matter the circumstances, is where you are choosing to prepare us for that next level. So speak to us, Lord. Oh God, I, I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch families. Use us powerfully this week, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you are dismissed this morning, uh, prayer teams are coming. If if you need special prayer, we want to pray with you. If you made a decision to follow Christ this morning, we want to know about it. So please check that off or just speak to one of our ushers or the staff. But God bless you. I'm wanting to hear stories, guys. Whatever God's laying on your heart, write it down. We wanna know what God is doing, amen? Amen, you're dismissed, God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.